How can an effective storytelling strategy bolster an organization's position in the market and deliver sustainably positive returns when it comes to the bottom line? This week, I'm delighted to be joined by business storytelling coach and IMI associate faculty member, Eric Fitzpatrick, who explains how leaders can make their story stand out in a crowded and competitive business landscape. It's great to have you, and as, as you're probably aware, there was a great reaction to your webinar uh, prior to Christmas, plenty of, plenty of lessons to take away, and there was you know, so many talking points I jotted down during the session, so I'm, I'm really glad to be able to speak to you today. And I wanted to start, if you don't mind, just around kind of look at organizations in general and this movement that we're seeing to a more kind of human-centric model, um, certainly emerging from the pandemic, things have become more, I suppose, mm-hmm. under the microscope in that respect. Mm-hmm. So why do you see... Or where do you see communication fitting in as we kind of move through that uh, transition? Look, for me, communication is the, the, it's the cornerstone, as I see it. And I think it's an essential part of a, a human-centric model. Because I think if you were to look at the values that you would hold dear in that type of model, you're talking about things like inclusion, respect, trust, openness. And they are all elements that cannot exist without really good communication. I think on top of that, given that even if it's an organization moving to a human-centric model or looking to embrace other forms of change within their organization, communication is essential to be able to initiate that change, to keep people updated on that change, and and ultimately to get them to buy into and want to come on that journey that you're looking to ask them to come on. And then the other thing that storytelling or that communication does is it removes the uncertainty. And with any sort of change, there's always uncertainty. And you know, given what we've faced over the last couple of years with remote working with hybrid models, there's certainly been an increased uncertainty because what you have on a regular basis is employees who aren't hearing enough from their leaders. And one of the things, and I only read this during the week, there are quite a number of employees at the moment who are talking about wanting to leave organizations simply because they're not in communication enough times with their their leaders. So I think being able to communicate is is essential when it comes to a a human-centric model. Absolutely. And I suppose if we're looking at things on a kind of a broader level in the organization, um, how would you recommend that leaders develop that storytelling strategy that you touched on? So there's the communication point, and then it's the kind of the how. How do you go about it? What's the way to do that? The first thing is with any communication strategy, and particularly with storytelling, it must be tied to organizational goals. It has to have a purpose. There has to be something that everybody is aiming to try and achieve, aiming to try and reach, and storytelling is designed to support that. If it's storytelling for the sake of storytelling, it'll be much harder to implement. That's the first thing. Secondly, then, you're looking at creating... One, a resource of stories so that people know that they have access to stories and can draw from them. Two, you're looking to create an environment where people can share stories. So it's not just my story. It's not just your story, David. They become stories that are available to everybody. And then thirdly, it's giving people the skills to be able to tell stories in a way that not only will the story have an impact, but also the person themselves will be comfortable sharing those stories. And then... On top of that, it's finding opportunities to practice the stories. And I think one of the things that a lot of organizations could do with, and we've had this conversation before, 
with everything gone online, um, meetings, as an example, have become a chore for a lot of people. You go from meeting to meeting to meeting, and a lot you spend a lot of time sitting there listening. On occasions, there's value in taking a, a pre-planned meeting and actually turning it into a storytelling meeting. So instead of having a structured approach or a structured agenda, allow people to share the stories of how their week, their month, their quarter has been. And that in itself will give them the opportunity to practice, become more skilled at it, and make it a much more um, workable and effective strategy. And that will contribute to meeting the goals that organizations are trying to meet. Yeah, storytelling meeting, that's a really interesting one. That's It's not one I've heard much before, but its I think it'd be a really interesting format because as you say, yeah, there is... I think a bit of, you know, just kind of speaking to people, fatigue around meetings and things like that, which is, I suppose, completely normal. But, but David, you know as well as I do. I mean, I, I was working with an organization um, yesterday. And of course, the first thing that everybody said when they came into the room was, God, I haven't seen you in age, haven't seen you. I really want to get back and meet with people. So I sat back as the, as, the, as the trainer, I sat back and I gave them 10 minutes just to talk to each other because that's the bit that people are missing out on at the moment. And all people did in terms of talking to each other was share stories. So if you can do that in a deliberate way from a meeting perspective, um, it'll increase the way in which people contribute and increase the way in which they um, become skilled storytellers. And as I said, be able to achieve the outcomes you're trying to achieve. Absolutely. And another interesting thing, Eric, is that everyone takes in stories in a different way and everyone learns in a different way with the research saying that in any group around 40% would be predominantly visual learners, maybe another 40% auditory and the remaining 20% what they call uh, kinesthetic learners. or that's kind of the doing, experiencing and feeling side of things. So I suppose, how should leaders cater their storytelling to their audiences? Is there a kind of a perfect mix? Should you try to um, cater to all types or what, what do you recommend in that respect? Well, first of all, I would actually say don't try to do it at all. With storytelling, it'll happen organically. It'll happen naturally. And, and if you don't mind, I'll give you an example of what I mean. There's a story that I tell, and I've told the story for, for many, many years. And I'm going to share it here to illustrate the point. There's a very clever marketing guy in the UK by the name of Jeff Ram. Fantastic speaker as well. Brilliant guy. In November of 2012, he was in Vancouver speaking at a conference. He was the second last speaker on the final day of a three-day event. And he stood up to speak. And his opening words were, he went, ladies and gentlemen, he said, for the last three days, I've been collecting all of your business cards. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to stick on the screen the three worst cards that were handed to me. And he turned to the screen and he hit the clicker and nothing happened. He did it a second time and nothing happened. And then he turned back and he went, were you worried? And that was it. I heard him tell that story in May the following year. And the very first thing I did an hour later when I got home from that meeting was I threw out my business cards. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're an auditory learner, you've embraced that story based upon listening to the words that I have spoken but equally, you've braced the words that Jeff Ram used or that you pictured him using. You listened to him using as I told that story. To the visual learner, you've pictured the scene, this guy, Jeff Ram, on a stage speaking to this particular audience. And you've pictured that, yes, through the words that I've delivered, but it's the picture that has painted for the, the kinesthetic learner, there are two things. First of all, there's the absolute feeling of shock or surprise when he threatens to put the, uh, the image of the cards up on the screen. 
But the other way in which the kinesthetic learner is connected to this story is in picturing the physical action of me going home and taking my business cards out off the desk and throwing them out. So stories do that automatically. They connect with those different forms. And, and you can expand on that. Tell a story that includes smell or tell a story that includes taste and you collect with, connect with a couple of the other senses as well. And that can be what contributes to helping somebody remember the story and then equally remembering the message that that story was supporting a day, a week or a month later. So they do it automatically. So I wouldn't try, just allow the stories to evolve and do it organically. Absolutely. And uh, something you mentioned earlier, Eric, that kind of uh, struck a chord was around this idea of, you know, organizations tying their storytelling and their communications to their own purposes and, you know, goals, I suppose, in general. So as employees transition now to more of a hybrid model, you know, we're kind of moving back to what was the, what used to be considered the traditional way, or at least some yeah. kind of mix. Um, is there any risk, do you think, that a lack of proximity to the organization, physical proximity could result maybe in a kind of a detachment from the purpose, uh, especially for, for new people. And how do you see a storytelling process or strategy mitigating that, if at all? Okay, so first of all, is there a risk? And the answer is yes. Um, when we deliver the high impact leadership program, one of the things that I talk about is the internal reaction quadrant. And the idea is that every time we communicate, we generate an internal reaction in our listening. Sometimes it's small and insignificant. Sometimes it's quite noticeable. One of the quadrants is the negative unknown. It's where we as a leader communicate something and it generates a negative reaction in our listener or in the member of our team, but we actually don't know it's generated a negative uh, reaction. Equally, when we don't communicate, we run the risk of generating this negative unknown reaction. As, as a leader, it's very easy to think, how can I possibly be doing anything negative when I'm actually not communicating in the first place? But that's what can cause the problem. Uh, working remotely, we feel a little bit excluded. We're not being um, brought into the what's happening. We don't know what's going on. And we end up magnifying the situation. And it can contribute to people actually wanting to leave and certainly can contribute to people becoming detached from a project or a progress or the organization as a whole. One of the ways in which storytelling can mitigate that is for leaders to find ways to share stories of the people of their teams, to use storytelling to recognize the achievements or to celebrate the successes of their people so that people feel valued, feel like they are respected and trusted, and that as a leader, you're proud to share the story of them, and that can only elevate the person about whom that story has been told. So they can go a long way towards mitigating that detachment. Would you be able to share any examples uh, just of maybe organizations that made storytelling a central part of their strategy or are particularly known for it as kind of a, you know, I suppose, a central part of their business model? And how have they been able to um, execute those? Well, first of all, you go back to 2013, Zurich Insurance uh, in Ireland were looking at implementing change within their organization. And they made storytelling a cornerstone of how they were going to try and implement that change. And, and for them, it was setting out three key goals and objectives that they wanted to achieve within a 12 to 24 month period. And then it was about how they brought everybody along the journey of being able to make that happen. And for them, storytelling was about being able to 
not just trans transfer information from the top down, but also to be able to empower people, let's say further down the organization to become more active participants and sharing their stories absolutely transformed the way in which people behaved. And ultimately it was what contributed to Zurich being able to achieve a number of the goals that they were trying to achieve. Equally, Dave, in, I think it was 2008, at the height of the financial crisis, Ericsson in Australia needed to implement a new strategy within their business. They had conducted some both internal surveys and external surveys, and the results hadn't been anything like what they wanted. So they needed to make these changes. And they had this core group of managers that were going to be tasked with sharing the, the new message, as it were. And originally, they were going to give them presentation skills, but they knew they needed to go a little bit further than that. And they chose storytelling as the, the method, the medium by which they were going to do it. And they made them very skilled storytellers. They got out and they shared those stories. And again, as a result of it, they were able to deliver some of the outcomes that they wanted. And in the service that followed 12 months later, the results were significantly better. And finally, just in relation to that, and this wouldn't necessarily be around a strategy but within organizations like Nike, Microsoft, 3M, Procter & Gamble, to name a few, at very senior levels, some of these organizations have banned PowerPoint when it comes to their executive leaders presenting information and insist on them doing it uh, through storytelling. And in some cases, they'll put their, their leaders through two days of storytelling training in order to be comfortable doing that. So, yeah, there's a lot of people doing it, and it's working really well for them. Yeah, it's really interesting. And then if you just look anecdotally, maybe switch on the television or whatever, you look at some advertisements, it's it's clear the brands that tell their stories well and those mm. that don't. And you can really, you know, it's the stories of certain brands resonate a lot more and you can see that kind of legacy over time. So it's, it's a very powerful thing. Eric, do you think organizations should involve their customers or clients, whatever the case may be, in the kind of creation process of the stories? Or do you think it should be a kind of an internal focus? No, they should include the clients where possible. Absolutely. You know, at, at a very simplistic level, Dave, you happen to walk along the street one day past a restaurant and the restaurant over come out and say, come in, come enjoy our food with great service and great food and all that. You'd be a little bit reluctant to believe him because he's forcing, he or she was forcing it upon you. But if I was to turn around to you and say, look, I've been to this restaurant and the food is brilliant and the service is wonderful, you'd be much more open to buying into that particular message. With storytelling, while everybody at an individual level or at an organization level will have access to hundreds of stories, they can be broken down into five or six core types of stories. And one of them is the customer story. And certainly where possible, to be able to get the customer to tell the story of the service you've delivered or the problems that you have solved, one, it will absolutely make that message much clearer and much more powerful. But I think also being able to go to a client or a customer and say, will you help us tell this story, can only strengthen the relationship you have with that client as, as well. So it's an additional benefit to doing that. Yeah, it's a social proof element that's so important that we see. Exactly, yeah. Um, Eric, just a final question now, if, if you don't mind. Um, so you stated during your webinar that uh, we receive 11 million bits of information per second, but we process just 50 mm -hmm. of them, which is a, a staggering st statistic mm -hmm. in itself. So what's the advice that you give leaders to make their story and their particular message stand out in such a crowded and competitive landscape? 
And look, I'd say three things. Number one, become skilled storytellers. That's the first thing. Um, it's it's not enough to have a really good story. It's got to be told really well. And becoming a skilled storyteller means having a single story that can be told in different ways to achieve different objectives. So that's the first one, become a skilled storyteller. Secondly, when it comes to storytelling, one of the things that leaders have to do on a regular basis is share a vision that they want their team to buy into so that they can achieve the outcomes that they want. And in that regard, one of the keys to being able to drive home that message is repetition. I think often on occasions we deliver messages and we think that when we've delivered it once, that's sufficient. And again, go back to what I said about Zurich and the success they had. When they decided to implement the change and were using storytelling as part of it, they put a whole ream of measures in place to constantly remind their colleagues of what they were looking to achieve and what they were what they were aiming for. The very same thing applies here with vision stories. Share that message regularly, consistently, so that it sinks in over a period of time. And that, as a technique, it's known as echo. But that idea of using echo will make it easier for that message to be remembered, not because it stands out in that one moment from everything else, but because it stands out over the period of time. Thirdly, and I think this is essential for leaders, I think leaders shouldn't look to do it by themselves. Get your team involved so that they can share the story as well. And in that regard, I'd say create internal advocates or internal champions for that story, for that message. Because again, equally, as we all know, there's times when people don't always listen to leaders in the way that they should, but they listen to a colleague in a very different way. And this is a very good way in which they can get that message out there. They can share that story by, by using uh, internal advocates or internal champions for that story. Fantastic insights, Eric. Thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Oh, listen, delighted to be here with you. Thank you.